tonight, and my pastor um, was just telling us about some thoughts the other night about um, Mary and Joseph having to come to Bethlehem for the to be taxed for this census or whatever it was, and and her being nine months pregnant and about to give birth and and how inconvenient that was and how it could be easy to complain about the government and what they were requiring and what they were accomplishing and and but he said if Mary hadn't gotten there then all the prophecy would be false about Jesus Christ and all these things that God had to line up in the in the midst of a, a time that was inconvenient and uncertain and uh, not what not, not what would have been humanly chosen, but um, it reminds us how God is in control of everything and, and He knows what needs to happen in our lives even when we don't see the big picture. And I, I mentioned I was going to tell a little bit about uh, the story of how Charlie was born this summer, which didn't go how we planned. Um, as you can see, He's with us and everything is everything's okay, but the way that we got here was a little... Um, a little, <laughs> a little different. I see there's some parents with young children here, so I know you can uh, sympathize a little bit. Um, but we met with Pastor. Um, it, you said it was in June, so it was it was just a couple weeks before we were preparing to head back to Michigan. His due date was July 14th, and we were supposed to be in Michigan three weeks before then, get all set up in, a, in an apartment, and have the baby there. Uh, we had had one mis- midwife while we were in Texas at school. Do some prenatals, and uh, then we had an appointment with this midwife up in Grand Rapids, and she was going to do the delivery, and so we uh, quick scooted over to New York for a couple weeks uh, just to see our family, and uh, we had some meetings over here, and then we were about to head over. Uh, The day before Father's Day, Saturday night, we were uh, parked at church over in Buffalo and uh, getting ready to do a meeting there, and then head on the next day towards Michigan, and uh, that night, about 11 or something at night, the water broke and labor started and we were eight hours away from our midwife and we were trying to figure out if there was another midwife option close by and nothing was working out and we made some phone calls and finally decided the, the best thing to do was to just try to head that way. So I unplugged the motor home and started out at 1.30 in the morning and we just started driving down towards Pennsylvania, Ohio and, and we made it all the way into Michigan, the midwife came out one hour from Grand Rapids and she met us at, at a truck stop on the side of the highway. And there he was born in the back of the camper there on the, on, on the deputation trail. So uh, we're very thankful for the Lord protecting and all of that. And it w- turned out to be a good thing that we made it to Michigan because um, Stacy had some bleeding that had to be uh, taken care of in an emergency operation that night. And her sister in the same town there in Michigan was able to take the baby care for him since she had just had a baby the month before and and just seeing God work all those things out um, differently than we'd planned but taking care of it all and providing for all of it it's just been a blessing <coughs> so uh, we don't recommend you try that at home but it did work <coughs> tonight we're going to go to Joshua chapter 14 <coughs> I think we we're going to try to plan to be at our preferred location a little farther in advance this, if, we, if we have it the next time. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 14. Tonight we're going to be looking at Caleb's inheritance. 
And I will see what the Lord has us to learn from this passage tonight. We'll read a little bit here and then pray. In Joshua chapter 14, we read in verse 6, And the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And lo, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war was to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he, followed, he wholly followed the Lord, his Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would open your word to us tonight, Lord, that your spirit would move here in this place, and Lord, that you would um, show us what we can learn from this Old Testament history. It seems so far removed from our life today, but Lord, we know that you're the same as you were then, and um, we thank you for your word, for the things written aforetime, written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Lord, we pray that you would use this tonight and help us, Lord, to see you in our world today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> in Joshua 14, we're coming to a place where the children of Israel have been moving into the land of uh, the promised land that, that was to be their inheritance and driving out the other nations, uh, killing and making room for what God had given them to be theirs. And here we come to a particular story about one particular man who was going to have a, a, a very specific inheritance. It's kind of a, a unique thing amongst all this. Well, he was he was one of the oldest guys there, actually, him and Joshua, um, because everyone else had had been decimated there in the wilderness, and God had a new generation coming in. And so uh, this 85-year-old man had a specific inheritance that he received for him and his children after him. And before, I, before we get into what, um, what he had to do to get that inheritance, I wanted to look for a moment at at the application that this can be for us, because we could, we could go and talk about all this stuff kind of conceptually, but what does it mean for us today? And we know about um, historical application of Scripture, seeing what, what actually just took place as the Bible gives it. And then practical application of how we can just learn lessons and things. But then there's also doctrinal application of, of what God was doing at this time and, and how things are different for us. In, in today, after Jesus Christ has come to the world, and we're going to see some different things. God doesn't have us as 
as his people going out and conquering other nations and wiping people out to make room. Uh, there, were, there were people in, in New Testament times, since the death of Christ, that have thought that, that it was their position to go and drive out the enemies of the Lord in the Holy Land and all these places, um, which in some cases that was the Jews in their thought, thinking that the church was, was taking over the promises of Israel, which of course is not true from the Bible. So we're looking at Israel, looking at a physical inheritance that they had, and we want to uh, learn some lessons from it, but we also have a, a doctrinal application that this was for the Israelites, and we do have something different. But I wanted, wanted you to look down, uh, just for a quick review, in, in Genesis chapter 12, for, um, and, and I've had people ask me, you know, what in the world with all the Israelites coming in and uh, just slaughtering people, how is that, you know, God showing his love and compassion? And people clearly don't have an understanding of, of God working his purpose throughout the Bible, but, and probably an understanding of what these nations were doing that, that the, God had the Israelites drive out. But in Genesis chapter 12, we come to some very specific promises that God made to, uh, to Abraham and to the children of Israel after him. And we have some different promises for ourselves. But here he said in, in chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Abram, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. So here's God's first promise to Abraham. He's going to have a land. He's going to show him a land. And <clears throat> I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And then, kind of a continuation and clarification of that promise in chapter 15, Genesis 15, <clears throat> the whole chapter we'd have to read if we were, if we were studying this topic in detail, but we're going to just have to <clears throat> look at verse 4 about God's promises to Abraham. <clears throat> Genesis 15, verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, referring to his servant, Eliezer, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. God promising him, You will have a son in your old age. Verse 5, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. That's how many children is going to come from you. And it says in verse 6, And he believed the Lord, he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. So God gave Abraham a very specific promise of land, a physical place on the earth that you could measure in acres and put borders on it. And, and the Bible talks about those borders in and where we were reading in Joshua and other places, uh, we were just read through that in Ezekiel too, talking about the borders of this land that God has promised to Israel, and they haven't, throughout history, they haven't very often had all of it in their possession, and still don't. But God promised that land to them, and they are going to get it. Uh, God keeps His promises. But we have a different promise, and part of it comes through the promise given to Abraham, um, and I want you to look at Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, but when we think about promises, it reminded me of Ephesians 6, where we, 
We teach our children, uh, children obey your parents in the Lord. And then it says in verse 2, Ephesians 6, 2, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And while you're getting Galatians chapter 3, that promise that mentions in Ephesians 6 is from the Ten Commandments, from Genesis, uh, Exodus 20 and verse 12. I just wanted to read the verse. <clears throat> Talking about a promise, what kind of promises the Israelites had uh, there in, in Exodus 20, verse 12, it said, Honor thy father and mother that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It's very focused on this land and the inheritance that they were going to receive, something that God was going to give them, and God had the power to give it to them. Um, but as we're in Galatians, I think you're there and I'm not, Galatians chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 6, we come to the same story that we just read from Genesis chapter 15, but bringing some doctrinal application to us as Christians. Galatians 3, 6, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Do you remember reading anything about justification in Genesis chapter 15, about the heathen. It was, it was a promise that God gave to Abraham and to his family. But here, this refers to us. We here in New York, in the United States, uh, you know, many of us have our ancestry from Europe, possibly, or, or whatever, but we were, we were nothing to Israel. Our family, our lineage goes back to just heathen. Uh, you know, my family, the Parfit name comes from comes from Pennsylvania, comes from Wales and England, and all the way back to the Norman invasion, when the, the inhabitants of England, they were, they were savages. They were like the, pretty much like the Canaanite nations. Uh, not, not much better than the natives in Papua New Guinea, killing and eating people and all kinds of good stuff, or bad stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't want to give my condoning to that, that kind of behavior there. But... We were, we were the heathen. And so when, when, when the Bible says in verse, verse 8, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, that's talking about us. It says, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So here, Paul in, in the book of Galatians brings some more light to that promise given to Abraham, saying that particular part of the promise that all families of the earth would be blessed through him, refers in a very special way to Jesus Christ coming through the line of Israel and providing salvation for all. And so that's very important to us as heathen, as, as non-Israelites in the flesh. Um, but <clears throat> uh, let's, let's keep reading. So then, verse 9, They which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Notice we just read there was one commandment with promise. And that promise was, you can live long in the land. That was the promise. I just read it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. But here we're talking about the law, and it says in verse 10, For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Faith wasn't mentioned very often in the Old Testament, but that is a reference to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. The just shall live by faith. And it seems like 
we, we can go back, especially now that we have the New Testament, and we can go back and see the elements of faith that God put in his promises to Israelites, even put in the law, the way that he wanted them to live. Uh, there's things in the law that says, um, says there's three times in the year that all the men are supposed to go to worship at Jerusalem. And I don't have the reference written down. There's a verse that says, and God is going to keep the enemies away while your men are gone. And you're not, your land's not going to be invaded. Well, they had to obey God by faith and say, all, you mean all the men? There's not going to be anyone left behind to protect the women and the cattle and all the people that, you know, the servants that are left there to, to, do the, to keep the flocks. They're not going to bring all their farms to Jerusalem for a day. And so they had to trust God. So there was faith involved, but, but we don't see that very much in the Old Testament. And I'm afraid not many of the Jews themselves saw the faith that they needed to have in God. Um, if we look over the history of Israel through the kings and, and the prophets and everything, they weren't known for being just the most right with God at every moment of every year. Um, verse 12 of Galatians chapter 3, as we're continuing, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So there's, with the promise given to Abraham, with the land and the, and the blessings in this covenant, there was uh, a blessing and a promise to us as Israelites too. I'm sorry, to us as, as Gentiles. But it, it, that part didn't, for us didn't have anything to do with the land. We don't get the land. That's God's gift to the nation of Israel. And so all that sounds kind of all conceptual again, kind of just, well, okay, what does that have to do with us? And yes, here we can see, okay, there's a promise of the Spirit through faith, it says in Galatians 3.14. Um, a little bit of the lesson that we can take from that. But uh, we, want to, we want to learn some things from Caleb here in this story and receiving the physical inheritance of land. Um, I want to go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we should know being famous for what word in Hebrews 11? Faith. Very good. In, in Hebrews 11, we're going to come back here a couple times. Um, but speaking about Abraham and his descendants. Um, it tells us a little bit more, some of the backstory, we might say, of how their actions were done in faith and not, not so much uh, humanly focused or physically focused on the land, but, but how their promise of land did have to do with faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith... Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. That's talking about the land of Israel, the promised land. Obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 9 just told us, that he dwelled in tabernacles. He had a tent for his home. And it says that he was looking for a city. Do we remember reading in 
the book of Genesis about the city that Abraham moved into or built. I know Lot moved into a city, and that wasn't a good thing. Uh, that wasn't the city that God gave him, and God destroyed that place. Abraham was looking for a city, and he was, he was looking for this country that God had given him, but um, he never, he never found, his, his ship never came in on this earth. Um, and so, continuing to follow God, he had to do that by faith. But there's some more specifics. Coming to verse 11, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed when, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Speaking of the promise of a son to come through Isaac and Sarah, I'm sorry, Abraham and Sarah. Verse 12, Therefore sprang there even of one, Isaac, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sandwiches by the seashore innumerable, just like God promised in Exodus, uh, Genesis 15. Look what it says in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, where did Abraham come from? From Ur of the Chaldees. And then um, other, at other times they came out from Egypt and other times they came out from Babylon. They kept going out of their land. But um, I think this may be specifically referring to going back to Ur of the Chaldees where Abraham was from. Uh, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. So that would be Palestine, right? The, the promised land? No, it says that is an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Speaking of this city, very specifically, um, which, which wouldn't be just the physical Jerusalem that's on the earth today, but he has a greater plan surpassing time that he has a place given for the children of Israel. And, and here it talks about how by faith the children of Israel had the opportunity to look past the land that God was giving them on the earth and the good life that they could have if they obeyed God uh, to the promise that, that was to come of, of eternal life with God. But I think many of the Jews we see in Jesus' day didn't didn't quite have that on their mind. And I wonder if today, and, and you know, when we come to here, we, we see, okay, wow, that's the same thing we're looking for. We're looking for a city that has foundations. We're looking for a better country than what we have here on the earth because uh, I've been to a, a number of places on earth, about four or five continents, and you know what? There's sinners everywhere, and the whole place is falling apart. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to travel some more, but I think I'm just going to find more of the same. And so, for our, for our internal inheritance, we're not looking for something on the earth. And really, the Israelites weren't supposed to either, but they do have a promise of a physical inheritance on the earth. And um, I think it would be good for us to remember, as we're talking about inheritance tonight, that our, our life, lest we should be like the Israelites as well, the, maybe the Jews of Jesus' day, we, we want to remember that our life here on the earth is not what, what we should be living for. I, I heard a missionary recently say, 
is what we're living for worth Christ dying for? Is our focus on something that we can physically handle, something that we can physically inherit or pass down as an inheritance, as the Jews were? Or is our focus on something that, that is a, uh, of, of eternal value? Um, if we come to the end of Hebrews 35, uh, sorry, Hebrews 11, verse 35, it will lead us on to another passage talking about our inheritance. In Hebrews 11:35, this says, speaking of others who lived through faith, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. This doesn't sound like people who had a resting place, a land that they could settle and enjoy their inheritance. These people that lived by faith in God sometimes, uh, and even after the, the death of Jesus Christ, suffering persecution and torment and affliction and, and being destitute, it says. To live through that, you would have to have your eyes and your hope on something greater than physical comfort and life on this earth because um, sometimes we can't have it. And, and years like this are good to show us that anything can happen to us. All the things that we have laid out and lined up and, and settled for what we think is going to happen it can all be taken away from us. God has the power to do that. And, and he may use uh, people doing wrong to accomplish his purpose. But our inheritance is not here on this earth because it's going to leave us or we're going to leave it someday soon. Um, <clears throat> we're going to come back to Hebrews 11 or Hebrews 10. But I wanted to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And think about what is, what is our inheritance? What is our end goal? Um, what are we going to have to show for our life? What are we going to have to hang on to for eternity? So we just talked about uh, people enduring persecution and affliction in order to live for Christ and, and keep seeking for something beyond this world. And here in Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, Paul is speaking to Gentiles who, uh, who began to suffer for the name of Christ and it wasn't Jews that were persecuting them, it was just other heathens. We'll see that here in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 14. And this, this comes very close to what we're living through right now and what we may live through in the future of people uh, right around us, maybe even our own neighbors and people that we know uh, being against us for what we stand for, being against us, uh, against the free practice of our religion and, and things that we enjoyed so long in America that are supposed to be our American rights, but they're actually not biblical rights. God didn't God didn't tell us that 
if we're Christians, life is automatically going to be easy and no one's ever going to argue with us. But um, here in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 14, this verse really could be speaking directly to us today. It says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So he just compared the Thessalonian church to the churches in Judea that have persecution from the Jews. But here, he's saying, you, you suffer like things. And then regarding the Jews, it says in verse 15, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins all way, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And then he answers his question, for ye are our glory and joy. Here, Paul is giving us a reminder that even though things don't go our way on the earth, our crown of rejoicing, he says, our hope, our joy, something in the future is going to be souls that have been won to the Lord. And so this is, a, in a big part, the inheritance that we can have as we're doing the Lord's work in bringing souls to the Lord. The Bible talks about um, bearing precious seed, going forth weeping, and bringing his sheaves with him. That, that picture of rejoicing when we bring a harvest for the Lord. And of course, as a missionary, I try to keep this on my mind, but each of us as Christians is supposed to have this this, uh, this goal in our mind of bringing someone to the Lord with us when we come. God didn't, God didn't save us uh, just to exist. Otherwise, we would have been a lot better just going right to heaven when we got saved. Uh, there's more work for us to do here. Um, and then also regarding our inheritance, uh, if you still have Hebrews 11.1, 1, I'm sorry, Yes, Hebrews 11, but jump back, jumping back to Hebrews 10, 32. Again, this common theme of affliction and persecution, and then considering what, what do we have to look forward to? Hebrews 10, 32. But call to remembrance the former days, in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. So he said either you were reproached and afflicted, or you were closely associated with those that were, and that causes, causes grief and pain to us to, to suffer or to have people that we care about suffering. And it says in verse 34, For ye had compassion on me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. When this is talking about the spoiling of your goods, I've thought about it in the context of giving before, like, you know what, I'm just going to 
I'm just going to let go of it and let it be taken away from me. But, you know, maybe in this case, there were people literally robbing them. Uh, you know, if, if you were a Hebrew, as, as this book is addressed to, um, getting saved really ruined your chances of, of financial success in the Jewish community because of the whole synagogue deal and, and being thrown out. And, and there was a lot of persecution involved with that. But he said, just remember that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. It reminds me of the, the, ver the word substance used in uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the, the element of faith with all of this inheritance is to remind us that we have, we have an inheritance and a substance coming to us that's not seen with our eyes, but it's something in the future. And uh, we'll, we'll finish briefly looking at, um, at Caleb's inheritance once we read a little section from 1 Peter chapter 1 as well. 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> now in this, <laughs> there's going to be a, a number of very long sentences all attached together here. And um, it's going to be talking about salvation and appearing to re reference it in the future. Referring to the salvation, the adoption, the redemption of our body to meet up with where we are spiritually already in Christ in heavenly places. Right now, we are still... Um, Still stuck on the earth. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, we're just going to read 3 through 12, and it's, it's just a, an encouraging and, I believe, motivating passage reminding us of the, the, how much better we have it than those in the Old Testament as far as being able to see from the, the Word of God what our inheritance is in the future. And that when we live through things that don't go our way physically or financially or what, whatever it may be on this earth, that we still have just as much hope as, as if uh, life was going well. But it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, 
unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Here we have just a, a whole lot of phrases and, and sentences basically summing up saying, in the Old Testament, they had prophecies, they had some idea of, of the grace and the, the promise that was coming to us as believers in Jesus Christ, but it was, it was tough to figure out what it all meant. And they had a physical promise, and it, it's, it's so much easier to look at something physical than to believe in something we can't see. Uh, you may think me unspiritual, and, and I am what I am. I'm just a normal Christian like you. When I try to focus on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and I'm going to talk to the Lord right now, just my mind drifts to something that I can physically see, something that I can physically plan, something that I can, that I can wrap my mind around. Because the spiritual things that we know are true from the Bible and we've seen it and we have God's Spirit witnessing, it's just, it's just harder to, to, to get engaged in that direction. And so with the Jews, we'll, we'll come back right now to Joshua chapter 14, looking at Caleb's inheritance. With the Jews having this physical land to inherit, it would be so much easier to just look at what you have right here and you know feel the literal physical cha-ching in your wallet when your crops do well and, and all these good things. But we don't the, the uh, one lesson from this for us tonight is to not have our focus on something physical. That's really not what we're promised. We're promised in heaven a better and an enduring substance. And I believe the Bible points a lot to that being the souls that we can bring for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when it talks about um, being willing to have, uh, where it said, spoiling your substance, knowing that in heaven you have a, a better and enduring substance, uh, the spoiling of your goods, where that should, should bring us to the place where the things that we have physically in this life we don't have to hang on to so tightly because that's not our eternal inheritance. Um, later on in that, in that chapter in First Peter, I believe, it's talking about um, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. The things that we have aren't going to save our lives. They're not going to save our souls. They're not going to better our standing with God in the last in the last day when we're when we're when he is revealed and our life is going to be shown for what it was really worth so the physical things that we have you know as a missionary I have to give things up and I believe it as Christians in general each of us God wants us to be willing to use whatever we have he doesn't say we have to own nothing but to use what we have and and have it available for him at any time so that, so that he uh, can accomplish his work and so that we can have that better and enduring substance, not that we are earning our place in heaven, but that we can accomplish something with, with our lives, with what God's given us for his eternal glory. So coming back to Joshua 14, I just wanted you to see 
three very, very brief things that were involved with Caleb receiving this inheritance. And this was a very special and specific inheritance for this one man. Um, and I think we're going to come at them in backwards order. Backwards order. So we'll start in verse 12, at the end of verse 12, Joshua 14, 12. Uh, it says, Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. So to receive this inheritance physically that Caleb had, and as we're thinking about, okay, the parallel to us, to obtain this inheritance of bringing souls to the Lord, he said, I shall be able to drive them out. It was going to take work. And he was an 85-year-old man, but he said, I have strength. That was important in this story because if he didn't have physical strength, he was not going to be able to take that land for his inheritance. But he needed that. Um, and there is work that's going to be involved in reaching souls for Christ. That's no secret. If you've ever helped out with door knocking or public ministry or or just, just trying to counsel someone, not, not even necessarily in, in an official setting, but just, uh, just telling them what the Bible says about life issues. It takes some work, it takes some study, it can take some, some uh, hit to our reputation, maybe, uh, you know, uncomfortable, and there's a lot of work involved in bringing souls to the Lord, but that's worth it because it's as for His glory and it's our inheritance. But, we're not, we're not going to be able to do it on our own. And even with all of Caleb's strength, he was one man. And this was a nation of Anakims. These were the giants. It said in verse 15, Arba was a great man among the Anakims. So as if it weren't bad enough that all these giants lived there, this particular place that the old guy got was the place owned and controlled by a very great man among them. And so right before it said, I shall be able to drive them out, verse 12, if so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. We need to have the Lord with us. And we have his promise. We think about uh, the great commission given, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so we have God's promise to be with us as we're doing his work. I don't think we have his promise to be with us if we are trying to advantage ourselves, we don't have um, his promise to prosper so that we can have the biggest house and, and, and you know, thinking about our, uh, our inheritance. I read recently, um, it's, it's a very common thing in our culture, he who dies with the most toys wins. That, that's kind of... Uh, a gospel verse that people around us live by. But nothing could be further from the truth. When you realize that when you die, all of your toys mean nothing. And someone else is going to inherit them. Solomon said, who knows if he's going to be a wise man or a fool. All the things that you worked for, it's going to be for someone else, something else. But as we're doing the Lord's work, and, um, and it says, if so be that the Lord will be with me. As we follow the Lord in what He's doing, if we're with Him, then He'll be with us, and then we'll be able to do His work. And the last thing we see, it shows up three times in this passage. And Stacy, are you able to bring the baby in? I wanted to 
do a little illustration with Charlie. We'll see if it works. I was practicing with him this afternoon, but he's uh, five and a half months old, and I don't have the whole routine figured out yet. Um, and by giving Bell Heavily, you're supposed to be putting this little something on Pablo Hill. Okay. Sorry, that was pigeon. Just <coughs> checking with mommy. Okay. So <coughs> we have here three times in this passage the thing that I believe was, was highlighted as the main reason that Caleb got this inheritance. <coughs> he said, um, he said in verse 7 at the end, I brought him word again according as it, uh, as it was in mine heart. And the heart matter that is, that is going to have to be involved with this, I believe we see it three times here in verse 8 at the end. It says, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And verse 9, he quotes Moses' response to him. At the end he says, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And then verse 14, it finishes, it became his inheritance because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And as we, as we close with this thought in 1 Thessalonians, uh, I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians 5 with wholly following the Lord God, what that would mean in our lives. Because we have words in the Bible that, that they're uh, great doctrinal words. <clears throat> but I wanted to see if we could have a little bit of a picture in our minds of what that would be. And um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is talking about sanctification wholly. And it says your whole spirit and soul and body. And so following the Lord wholly, I don't know if we'll be able to see little guy here, if he's laid down. I think the wall kind of blocks a little bit. But um, Charlie is just learning to roll over. And I was observing today, if I come over here on this side, and I say, come here, Charlie. Come over this way. Okay, and what if I come over on this side? Now what does he do? Come over this way. <laughs> Okay, so we see this, there's three things, spirit, soul, and body. And just, just for illustration purpose, maybe you can think with me. His, his eyeballs are staying locked on mine, which is it's just a very precious thing. And um, we can think about that with being the spirit and being in communication with God. Um, when, when the baby's this age, he can't talk. And so a lot of what we communicate is going to be with our eyes. And so his spirit, let's say, in, for, for illustrative purposes, his spirit is following me. And then it says your soul. That would be your emotions and your will. And when his eyes follow me, his will says, you know what? I'm going to decide to continue. Even if he moves, even if he goes somewhere else, I want to decide to keep looking. And then... But that doesn't do it until the body also wholly follows. Come over this way. <laughs> and so in our lives, as we 
we don't we don't know we can't see God with our eyes and and there's the work of missions the work of living the Christian life is so great it's so huge but I think this is something that that each of us can do breaking it down into something small but um, thinking about being in communication with God about Lord where would you have me to follow you how would you have me to follow you in my life that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be to a foreign country, it might be for you someday, but um, following him in our spirit and then in our soul, our, our will to be willing to, to go wherever he takes us. And then obviously the body has to follow. It, it, it may take that physical aspect of just getting in the car and, and going somewhere that we need to, to to give the gospel to someone or or physically uh, making a sacrifice of our time or our money or, or physically opening our mouth to get the message out. But as we think about the, the spirit and the soul and the body and wholly following the Lord, I just um, I think that those are the three things that we're going to have to have in order to have that inheritance of bringing souls to the Lord. Let's pray as we consider that. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for being able to see um, just some things about your character and your desires from your word. And, Lord, we thank you that we have that uh, eternal salvation reserved for us. We can't wait to come see you face to face. But, Lord, in the meantime, while we're here continuing to work for you, we pray that you would use us. Lord, to, to bring others to you and that others would, ha would have us for an example of wholly following you, that they would be inspired and encouraged and motivated to follow you themselves as well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Good question.